2: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Politically Georgia podcast, where we bring you news and analysis from all the latest Georgia shenanigans in Congress and under the Gold Dome. And today we're joined by AJC enterprise writer Tamar Hallerman to talk about the latest in Georgia coronavirus news and the latest on the shelter in place order that took effect Friday and will last through at least mid-April, but probably longer. Tamar, thanks for joining us. Thanks
1: for having me. So much to catch up on. I know. How are you doing? All right, all right. Strange times we're living in, but getting through it.
2: Yeah, that's really the first question we should all be asking each other. Um, whenever I'm getting text from sources and from friends, it's it's you know even if they're everyone's stressed out, so so sometimes they're angry texts. But it's always okay. Let's let's answer your issue, but also how's it going? Because we're all kind of fighting through this together. Some some are, are struggling, especially those with COVID or people who who are suffering from COVID more than. More than others, but we're all fighting through this one, and 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 now we've got some pretty dramatic news to talk about. After after weeks of of um of of resistance, Governor Kemp has agreed um, to to enact a shelter in place order statewide, um, but it's led to a lot of confusion. Um, in part because um, it doesn't go as far as some local restrictions, like like curfews and and closing beaches and and closing certain businesses. Um, and it supersedes all those local rules. So let's get right into it about how, those, how these, this new order that covers Georgia's 10.6 million residents works.
1: Exactly. So so it's ordering everyone to shelter in place, which basically means stay at home unless you really have to go to leave your house, to, to go buy groceries, to go get medical supplies, to, to go exercise and kind of maintain your, your mental health. But otherwise, it's really encouraging people to stay at home. Um, where there's a little bit of ambiguity right now is what constitutes an essential business and, and who's allowed to stay open um, just for day-to-day work purposes. And for those businesses that are, the, the order lays out, a lot of guidelines in terms of how many um, how many folks are allowed to be in a place, and if you have ten people, they need to be socially distanced, staying at least six feet apart.
2: Yeah, and and that's you're right. That that's where there's been a, a chunk of the confusion because it doesn't say. Um, It doesn't say all businesses must close and and categorize those that are essential that only can stay open. And that's what some other states have done. Some other states have have had non-essential and essential businesses. And the non-essential businesses close and the essential businesses stay open. In this case, here's what does close. Gyms, fitness centers, bowling alleys, bars, nightclubs, theaters, live performance venues, amusement parks, hair designers, beauty shops, things like that. And then also, dine-in service at restaurants and social clubs is no longer permitted, although takeout, curbside curbside pickup, and delivery are still allowed, um, but all those other businesses that aren't under the, under the, that category can stay open as long as they meet minimum standards, um, and that includes employers must screen workers for symptoms of coronavirus. Um, they must hold virtual meetings and implement teleworking and staggered shifts when possible. They must ban group gatherings and enforce social distancing. Um, they have to have alternative points of delivery, like uh, let's say a, a curbside pickup for 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 products. They they have to uh, increase space between employers and customers. So they they have to meet those standards, but at the same time they don't have to close. So that means that retail shops and and. You know, other, other businesses that, that even some local cities and counties might have restricted um, can remain open now under these rules.
1: Exactly. And there's been a little bit of chafing from jurisdictions where there were more stringent, um, you know, shelter in place orders before Kemp took this this action. Um, but but as you mentioned earlier, this kind of supersedes um you know this kind of supersedes all of that there's also a question about how all of this is going to get enforced the governor mentioned that it's a misdemeanor if you've been asked to disperse or asked to close or, or you know you're told that you're not in accordance with this order um, but there's there's a real question of, of how easy this is going to be uh, uh, for the state to enforce um, he did deputize the state's sheriffs to, to go in and, and kind of monitor the situation uh, you know if they see people in parks for example who are not adhering to to social distances, they can tell people to break it up. And if they don't, you know, they can um, you know, write them up and, and that sort of thing. But at the same time, sheriffs have mentioned, look, they're not going to stop people as they're driving or something and ask them where they're going. And the governor did also mention that he's not requiring people to have paperwork, for example, to say, I'm an essential worker, or I have a legitimate purpose for leaving my house.
2: That's an important point, because I, I, there, I, there, some cities did require that. And I know the AJC even drafted paperwork for us in case we needed it to show that we're essential because because um, media news outlets are are considered critical infrastructure under the uh, under the federal guidelines that the, that the governor's using. So there's there's just been I, I don't know about you tomorrow. I've been flooded with with emails of people asking me, can I go hunting? Can I go? Can my can I visit my girlfriend in South Carolina? Um, can I have a can, can babysitter? Can I have nanny care? Um, All those questions, they're starting to be clarified now. Um, For instance, about childcare and nanny care, uh, there was an executive order signed late Friday night that essentially said um, that anything considered childcare, anything that was essential care for children is covered. Um, So you're allowed to have babysitters and nannies, but although of course they encouraged social distancing from people who were not cohabitating. And and, thing- and
1: daycare and daycare centers, by the way, have been able to stay open this entire time. I just did a story on that with one of our colleagues that that will run in the paper in the coming days. Um, they were not included in the the order closing K through twelve schools that the governor has has implemented. Although pre Ks have been shuttered, um, there's a real question about daycares whether they can even stay open under this. A lot of them um, were under orders before in certain jurisdictions saying they weren't allowed to have more than ten people. Now under this. Um, you know, Now under this order from Kemp, they can have more than 10 as long as there's six feet of distance in between them, which can be really hard for little kids to enforce that sort of social distancing. Oh, yeah. um, and a lot of these daycares you've seen over the last couple of weeks have chosen to close rather than put um, their teachers or, or children at risk of all of that.
2: I know from having a... A six-year-old, a nine-year-old at my house. That when we're going out, let's say bike riding, I have to remind them nonstop through social distance. And then sometimes when I when I do, my my, my six-year-old goes, "Daddy, I'm not social distancing from you," and gives me a hug. So so it is it is hard. Some is very hard to have kids 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 do that. Which is why another issue with this um, with the with the governor's orders is he made clear in an FAQ that state parks will remain open that um, f- sports activities uh, are still allowed and that even golf is allowed, um, although they, of course, you know, right people to keep socially distanced. But some cities and counties have already closed their parks and have, have had strict um, restrictions on playgrounds and, and things that kids use. Um, so as I understand it, and I, and I spent a, a decent chunk of my day Friday trying to figure out uh, these guidelines, that counties and cities can still close their parks if they want to. So, so theoretically, you know, the, the big park in your neighborhood, if your city or county wants to close it, uh, if it's a city or county park, can still do so. Um, state parks will remain open, but any restrictive orders that a, that a county or city has has enacted under emergency powers are now superseded by the governor's orders. And so basically that means that if a county wants to close or a city wants to close its park using local ordinances, they can remain closed. And the counties have always had that power. They can close your park to mow the lawn, for instance. You know, they can close the park to do maintenance already. But if a county used its emergency powers to enact a curfew, or to do other restrictions. And there's all sorts of shelter in place that's more restrictive than the governor's. Um, That is superseded. Everything the county did under its emergency powers is now supplanted by the governor's orders. And in some counties, they are much more restrictive than than previously. There's a lot of counties that had very minimal restrictions. But in other places like Metro Atlanta, um, those orders are a lot less restrictive. And then we're also seeing it on the beaches. Uh, the, the, the local counties along Georgia's coast had all closed their beaches in order to, to prevent the spread of the disease. Well, Governor Kemp's orders um, said nothing about the beaches, so that meant essentially they were allowed to reopen. So they reopened last night at 6 p.m.
1: Exactly, and we, we did get more guidance on that, saying that you know while, while folks are allowed on the beach, they still have to adhere to social distancing, still can't really be in groups other than if you're with your family, but also no chairs allowed, no umbrellas, you're not going to be lounging like you would on a normal day in the beach but still very different from what places like St. Simon's had ordered a couple weeks ago, banning everybody from the beach.
2: Yeah, and the enforcement's going to be a real tough issue. You alluded to that earlier. But basically, um, local police officers who are, who are used to you know, tracking down crimes and maintaining public order are now going to be asked to break up gatherings and, and eventually, at least sheriff deputies now are being asked to do this. They're the ones who are allowed to uh, close businesses and, and not just businesses, nonprofits, which means essentially um, it can include houses of worship. The governor's orders mention nothing specifically about church services or, or religious services but in an faq he he reminded folks what he remind, what he said of, of, for weeks which is um, churches and religious services have to employ social distancing or else they will he will be forced to take further restrictive action and one of the reasons he said that is that some of our biggest outbreaks here outbreaks here in Georgia have been linked to church services choir practice funerals uh, particularly in Doherty County where there's a huge emerging hotspot um the the, the hotspot there has been linked to two funeral services that have just um, s- spread the virus throughout the community
1: exactly and as we've covered a lot over the last couple of weeks the the governor has really struggled when it came to houses of worship and and how much to to kind of get government involved in in regulating or or breaking up services um and all of those are still allowed to function as of now. Again, social distancing, especially if there's more than 10 people, and, and giving law enforcement the ability to to go in and break things up. Um, one thing also not mentioned, we talked about sheriffs, but also um, the Department of Public Health also has a role in all of this to, to also kind of break up big gatherings or, or you know, institutions that have been flagged for not adhering to social distancing and and kind of health rules and and that sort of thing as you mentioned um, the the businesses that are allowed to stay order uh, uh, allowed to stay open under this order are required to do things like temperature checks if po- folks have fevers of a hundred point4 I believe they need to go home or or if people are coughing or if there aren't enough sanitary um, or cleaning materials around to, to kind of keep things clean um, there's a real question of, of how easy it is to, to enforce that and and, and it'll be interesting to see how much um, you know, law enforcement or, or other folks give warnings before shutting places down or, or if you hear about um, really strict enforcement of all of this, but I think there's gonna be a real period of adjustment. Um, and it's worth noting also that, that Kemp's order is um, only good through about April 13th. Now he could renew all of these powers um, with another declaration, but, but as of now, this is only gonna be in place for another mm-hmm. week and a half.
2: Yeah, I expect it to be extended, but although I'm not sure how long it will be extended, but p- perhaps, you know, through the end of the month, um, and, and a lot of other states have already done so. And one one big hint about that, at the same time he announced that he would enforce a shelter-in-place order, he also said all in-person schooling would be uh, canceled through the rest of the academic year. So that means that remote distance learning will have to continue for all public school children um uh, through the end of the school year, and hopefully they'll be back in school um, by August. Um, but that 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 all uh, suggests that this is going to be, we're going to be in this for even an even longer haul. Um, one thing, too, that we should note is that some of these rules are going to be very fluid. I mentioned the child care guidelines that just... That that just came out uh, with a new executive order. Well, part of that executive order said that the governor shall use his social media and other means of communication uh, rather than executive action uh, to to clarify some of these rules. That means that a tweet from the governor could could say, you know, could, could could outline more more guidelines and and the contours of this. Of, of his rules. Um, so that's something that we should all be on the uh, lookout for. We at the AJC will certainly be watching that. But that means that a rule, something we assume is a rule Tuesday, could be completely different by Wednesday.
1: Sure and and what we know about this virus is changing so quickly in terms of what the the federal government is putting out what we know in terms of um transmission and and how different communities are are kind of dealing with it and how it's playing out so so there may be unintended consequences that we don't understand about how orders like this are are actually playing out or the rubber hits the road and there's also you know we're we're learning new things about this virus every day and so yeah it it makes sense how he he'd want to keep it open ended so that he could change things if he needs to um, a question for you, though, the the legislature gave the governor emergency powers until about April 15th, and my question is whether they're going to need to reconvene in order to, to grant that to him again, and whether they would want to after all of them were, were told to go into quarantine after one of the state senators showed up. Um, as we later know, he, he <laughs> tested positive for that. He, he wasn't sure at the time, but um, now we've seen a handful of legislature legislators announce that they had, had COVID-19.
2: Yeah, that's a good question. First of all, there's no way lawmakers want to come back anytime soon, uh, certainly not April 13th when, when, or April 14th when, this, when, when, when we're still going to be under um, the cloud of this, of this pandemic. Um, but one of the interesting things lawmakers did, and this took eight or nine hours of, of, of negotiations, but they essentially gave themselves the powers to end his public health declaration, but they said the governor can renew it himself. Um, I'm just kind of boiling it down, but they do not need to come back in order to extend it. They only need to come back if they want to um, restrict it. So that's why um, the lawmakers are kind of heaving a sigh of relief. They do not have to come back. There's no way for in Georgia, as far as I know, to do remote voting. So, um, I know some other states have that capability. In Georgia, lawmakers have to meet in person. Seems like an antiquated law now, doesn't it? But but in Georgia, they have to meet in person in order to to take these actions. So, um, and that's all tied up, too, speaking of remote voting, with a push to delay the May 19th primary. The, the, the March presidential primary has already been delayed to May 19th. Now there's a growing number of Republicans who say that should be delayed till June too. So there's a, there's a lot of issues lawmakers will need to take up when they do return, but they, there's no appetite to return at all right now.
1: <laughs> including, you know, we, we've neglected to mention the biggest thing that the legislature needs to do soon, which is adopt a new budget for the, the fiscal year that's going to begin on July 1st. And they're going to have a ton of amending and tweaking that they're going to have to do to the previous plans that they were drawing up due to this huge coronavirus-filled recession that we've seen so far. Yeah, I think and,
2: amending uh, and tweaking is, is a nice word to say. It's going to be, nice gutting. It's Overhaul. be gutting. <laughs> Yeah, Rip
1: it up and, and start fresh. And and something I've noticed as I've been reporting out stories about how all of this has been affecting different businesses economically, because that's something I've really been focused on in the last few weeks. And something especially as, as a, uh, my colleague, Tai Tagami, and I have been working on a story specifically about daycares, is just in terms of what the economic situation is going to look like in a few weeks. Even. You know, Congress passed a giant stimulus package, $2.2 trillion, that's going to touch a ton of struggling sectors of the economy. And there's a lot of money going in there for different types of businesses, things like childcare, things like hospitals, um, unemployment benefits, uh, small business administration loans. But there's a real question of when that money is going to finally trickle down to Georgia. And when it comes to a lot of these businesses that are kind of on the bubble, are we essential or not? Do we stay open, even if we're allowed to under these stay at home orders? Um, will we have the funding to keep going? And how much are we actually going to see from the feds? And and how much of a responsibility is it for the state to kind of step in and fill the gaps?
2: Yeah. Look, we saw how long it took Hurricane Michael relief to start uh, the, the spigots to open to start helping the farmers in in South Georgia who were afflicted by that 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 national natural disaster. Um, so there there is a hue and cry to get immediate relief. Um, and you're starting to see some of it already come through, but there's already talk about a fourth and fifth package of, of stimulus um, to respond to this pandemic. So there's going to be waves of this. I'm not sure how they'll look like yet. I'm not, and of course, no one knows what this this two plus trillion dollar round of stimulus will, how, how it will spur the nation's economy, but certainly there's a lot of, there's a lot of heartbreak and, and heartache out there right now about the economic situation we're in
1: exactly and and one of the rumors about this uh, upcoming or, or potentially fourth round of stimulus from from Capitol Hill is that it would specifically be targeting states to kind of deal with a lot of these funding short hauls, shortfalls that Georgia is currently dealing with and and will have even more problems dealing with in in the upcoming fiscal year as we talk about all the time budgets have to balance and especially if they're not getting in um, you know income tax money or, or you know people aren't don't have to pay their taxes on April 15th there there's been a delay of a couple months that's really going to hurt how much money is actually coming into the state. So you know that state officials are closely tracking what they're doing on Capitol Hill to to do anything to kind of help them with the upcoming fiscal calamity that we're, we're about to go through over the next couple
2: months. And that is one thing Governor Kemp has asked repeatedly to, to President Trump, including on a conference call with President Trump that was tele- televised nationally. He asked the president for essentially block grants for the states because there's going to be giant budget holes. Georgia's Georgia's one of the larger states, but think about New York and California and Illinois, those states that have multi, multi multi-billion dollar holes in their budget. And Georgia's was going to be, um, you know, right up there with them. So there's going to be horrible budget decisions to make, even with probably even with a sort of a a state block grant program, um, because, uh, you know, we 're not sure yet, but it it probably won 't fill that entire hole and there's already tough decisions to make for lawmakers before this so we're in uh we're we're treading new ground here, and we'll be covering it all for you at the a j c but tomorrow before before we go, I do want to talk about um the governor's uh, sort of national moment this past week too we've been talking a long time about why he's resisted. Um, enforcing a, a further restrictions like a shelter-in-place. Obviously, he changed his mind. Um, but leading up to how he changed his mind, um, I, I asked him at a press conference what to say to, to folks who said this is long overdue, that it took too long. And as part of the answer, um, he essentially said he learned a, a game-changing moment that this the virus was asymptomatic, that it could spread through, through uh, people who weren't showing symptoms, that there was essentially asymptomatic transmission. Um, it was a gaffe that, uh, that that made international news and was the butt of jokes on late night TV and all over social media. Um, and it was a, it was an interesting moment to cover because um, he said before in, in press releases and at public statements that this virus can be spread by people who aren't showing symptoms. Um, but at the same time, you know when you say it, it using the pulpit that he had, um, you know, the entire state was watching, you know, in anticipation of a shelter in place order. And of course it went viral, um, uh, throughout the, throughout social media. It puts him in a really, it put, well, it puts Georgia in a really tough spot. Um, and it, 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 forced his folks to respond pretty vigorously.
1: Exactly. Um, you know, and, it, and it's tough. He'd been under mounting pressure pressure over the last week or two to enact a statewide shelter-in-place order. And as we mentioned, and as we've talked about in our last few podcasts, it's something that he really personally struggled with as as someone who, who doesn't necessarily want the government involved, um, especially when it comes to, to potentially hurting a lot of small and local businesses. Um, and, and when he finally did, you know, mentioning this information, and, and this was after CDC had announced that um, something like 25% of of or something like up to 25% mm-hmm. of people um, who had COVID-19 were asymptomatic. Um, you know, he wasn't specific enough about that in his, in his press conference. No. He didn't mention that specifically. Um, and it was only later that, that his folks kind of talked to you about what exactly he meant. But at that point, the, the damage was already, was already done. Um, and, and you didn't see the governor apologizing for that in his no. subsequent statements.
2: No, he he didn't say he just misspoke, um, which which would have would have probably been an, an easier way to characterize this. Um, but hey, what do, you know, I, I'm I'm not the one who has to who has to deal with all the the the, the criticism. Uh, but instead, he said that this was Democrats trying to play, you know, play politics and, and score points. Um, at the same time, his remarks were out there, and they were out there for the world to listen to if they wanted to. Um, behind the scenes, what what I was told was, look, there was mounting pressure. Um, you had Florida, you had Texas, you had South Carolina, you had other republican led states in the South take further restrictive measures, and you had the Governor of Georgia um, continually saying, even the day before that, even the day before his shelter in place orders took took effect that that hey he 's still worried about the economies and in, in rural parts of the state that have hardly been touched, at least you know by confirmed cases of this virus, we have no idea how widespread it is because testing still remains dangerously far behind. Um, but he's worried about the economies in places that where where there have been minimal signs of this of this virus so far. Uh, it's so also it's, al-
1: it's also it's also important to note that that we saw the, um, you know, the mood from President Trump or or his statements start to change too in the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. Whereas before he was mentioning he wanted to reopen the economy by Easter, right before Kemp announced that the statewide shelter in place, you saw him saying, no, we've got to hunker down for longer. This is very grim here. You know, we're showing, we're, we are modeling that are, is finding that something like 200,000 people could die from this. So we saw definitely a shift in tone from the White House as
2: well. And that's what the state, that's what the governor's office said um, to explain the shift. Is that w- with the CDC's new guidelines, they were up, up, uh, forced to update their own internal statewide models, which we still haven't seen yet. We'd love to see, but they were forced to update their own internal state models, um, which led to to new projections, which led to the shelter-in-place order. So that's their official reasoning. Their official. Uh, response to questions about why they changed. But of course, the governor um, gave a little different version of that, which led to all the the national hue and cry. Um, There's going to be more. There's going to be a lot more um, uh, executive orders coming out to tweak this and and to, to continue to shape how we are supposed to live over the next few weeks as we live under the shelter-in-place order. And there's going to be more confusion. There's no way around it. There's going to be more communities who are questioning why they can't take further restrictive action or who wanted who want to even scale back some of the governor's orders. So that will be a story that we will be covering so closely, intently um, from wherever we're working these days, Tamara's apartment, my basement. Um, and then, of course, sometimes we'll be able to get out And uh, I was able to get out a few times last week to go cover different stories, including the Governor's Press Conference. And as long as we're practicing social distancing, I had my little bubble around me. I brought my own lawn chair just to enforce (laughs) my own social distancing at the Governor's Press Conference. But we'll be out there for you, our listeners, our readers, everyone in between, to try to cover how how this crisis is impacting Georgia.
1: Exactly. And as we mentioned in last week's podcast, if, if you're seeing things in your community that, that we should be writing about, if folks um, perhaps aren't obeying these shelter in place orders or you're seeing um, kind of a change in behavior, maybe there's an interesting side effect of all of this. We want to hear about it. Um, so please stay in touch with us over email or, or on social media. We're both on Twitter. Um, and thanks for listening and stay safe.
2: Tamar, stay safe as well. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. That's all for this edition of the Politically Georgia podcast. Visit AJC.com politics for all the latest in Georgia news. I'm Greg Bluestein, signing off.
0: Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents... Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants a rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com indictmentnewsletter Indictment Newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com indictmentnewsletter Indictment Newsletter.